Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Mail.Bag from Strickland Podcast Network, specifically for patrons. Thank you all. Um, my name is Jeremy Cohen. The coincidence on Twitter, it has been a minute since I've uh, been able to be on one of these. Glad to be back. And of course, it would not be um, a mailbag pod if not for uh, my friend, my lover, Schwinny Boo. Schwinn, how are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm good, uh, except Tyler Hero just hit two threes, which I have mixed feelings about because I took Miami to cover, but, you know, it's Tyler Hero, so, you know, it's tough. It's, it's like tough. kissing your sister. Yeah, I guess that's... Not that I would analogy. I don't have a sister, but, um, but you do, so maybe, <laughs> and maybe you, maybe you have, maybe you actually enjoy kissing your sister? I don't know. Like, who am I to say? Yeah, who are you? Who it's this feels like um I'm not gonna kill like a really good start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, this feels like a really good start to the mailbag. Um very really happy the free portion of it too. I can just I could just feel the people who are, are listening to this and thinking about subscribing to the Patreon part just Xing out. But I can also feel like the people who are already patrons upgrading, so I think it evens out in the end. Um so we'll see. But we've got some great questions. Thanks to everyone who's been contributing in the Discord. Uh, Shwin, is there anything that you would like to mention before we get cracking? Before we get started, I have to make the announcement of all announcements. Uh, the one I make every single episode now. Uh, we, at the Strickland, have a Patreon now. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash the Strickland or on our homepage at the Strick.land. There are a lot of people who apparently think it's crazy that I thought Emmanuel quickly played well last night because he missed shots. And to all those people, I um, I would like to tell you to to really learn basketball um, because he played fine yesterday. And if he had made shots, we'd all have been saying how solid of a game he had. 
And if that's really the only criticism of his performance, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think it's crazy to suggest that he played all right yesterday. And actually, what I said was that I just wasn't going to criticize him because what is the point of criticizing somebody for just saying, "Well, he's got to make shots." Like, yeah, no fucking shit. Uh, you know, I think watching that game and watching a lot of the Knicks games this year, I would say that you know, uh, if I'm being critical of them, making or missing shots is not really what my issue has been uh, with anything that I've seen. It's mostly their effort level and energy at various points in games. Uh, and that obviously, I mean, we all watched the game yesterday. So uh, I think we all know that they totally let their foot off the gas. And, you know, you give a team like that a chance and that'll happen. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. Um, so on to the question portion. Now, the first one in front of us is from... Uh, Mikey Cooks, Mikey underscore Cooks 7. And Mikey says, is RJ Barrett now that guy? Shrim, is RJ Barrett that guy now? Uh, I I think by the end of the year, we'll look back at the season and be like, oh yeah, this is the year RJ Barrett became the best player in the Knicks. That's what I think. Um, I feel like maybe that's jumping the gun because I do still feel pretty strongly like as annoying as Julius has been with his, which we'll talk about later uh, because of course we have many questions about Julius Randall and his mysteriously annoying body language. Um, I still think like Julius, I mean, he can, he's so strong and powerful and fast that combination. Uh, He can just do things right now that RJ probably doesn't have the overall skill level yet to to kind of dictate a game like Julius can when he's really rolling. Um that said, I think we're going to see more of those kind of 35 what was he hit 35 8 and 6 something like that. Like I think we'll see more of those type of games from him this year. Uh and you know, we're seeing growth in a lot of the areas that we wanted to see. Uh as a finisher at the rim, his decision making when he puts the ball on the floor. Uh, I think the passing has always been there, that vision and feel. It's been the the other skills needed to come up to the level where he can really, you know, uh, capitalize on his on his playmaking and his vision and feel and all these things. Um, I think I, I talked about this maybe, I think I might have just talked about this on our Discord, but like, I think even as a rookie, RJ was, by the b-ball index, uh, he was, he graded out as creating like, you know, 90th percentile shots, like scoring chances for teammates. So that's basically like he creates a lot of shots at the rim and corner threes, shit like that. I think we're starting to see that kind of bear fruit more, both because of his skill sets growing and developing, and also just the fact that we have more talent on the team right now. So uh, is RJ Barrett that guy yet? Uh, I would say it's trending in that direction. I'm not comfortable saying he is that guy right this minute, but I do think he's going to be that guy by the end of the year, which is kind of surprising because I did not, I, I thought he was more of like a year four, year five type of guy, uh, for him to really get to a certain level. And like, let's be real. I mean, look, it's been two, I'd say like his last three games have been really quite spectacular, but, um, I mean, his last three games, you can just say it like he's been playing at an all-star level. Um, so, yeah, 
yeah, I mean, I would agree. There's there's really nothing like there's nothing that that concerns me greatly about RJ that he can't figure out on his own. Like we've seen the strides every single year, and I personally, I kind of thought that we might see more. You know, the season's young, but maybe a little bit more of an all around uptick, but not kind of like this where he's just exploding onto the scene. And uh, it's, you know, I was talking with this, uh, with a good friend, Conrad of uh, Knicks Illustrated, and he said it was a proof of concept game. Uh, more so the the one against um, the game beforehand, not not the most recent Toronto game, who I'm, I'm blank on who they played. It was it was the Magic game, right? That you're talking about? <laughs> no, no. The, uh, <laughs> it was definitely not the Magic game. Um <laughs> So yeah, it, it's um, not I, the Pelicans um, game. Anyway, thank you. Right. Yes, there it is. Yeah, right. Um, so that that's the thing. It was the the Pelicans and being able to show that you know he can move in transition. He doesn't have to take as many shots at the rim, but the ones he is able to take, he's converting. He's finishing with his right hand. He's finishing in contact. Um, all these things, of course, the the pull up game, just being able to continue expanding, and that's what's always so puzzling about. RJ and the lack of respect that he's been getting because he can very clearly be that guy. How many players are have the ability to defend an opponent's best player and on that same night can also score 20 points a game? And if you can find those players, how many of them are not legitimate all-stars? And that's just where when it comes to RJ, like, yes, I think by the end of the season, I'm with you. He'll kind of be there and there's nothing wrong with him overtaking Randall as being the guy, because if anything, it just goes to show that you have two players who are, you know, top all stars or borderline all NBA, if not making the all NBA team, one of them. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm not sure if we're, we got a question about this, um, but I'm sure that it will come down. It, it'll be discussed, but um, you know, I think, uh, I do think that there will be an awkward moment if RJ really makes that step right now um, in terms of like, if RJ is actually in that conversation by the end of the year where we're like, Oh man, he's actually better than Julius. I'm not sure how that's, I'm not, I'm just not sure how that'll go over. Not because like Julius is this, like, I, I think it's weird. Like people are like, you know, he's unhappy for RJ. I've seen a lot of these like body language tweets today uh, about Julius when RJ is going off. And like, yeah, I mean, I agree. The body language isn't great, but um, you know, I think it is weird. Like he was kind of the sole offensive hub last year that kept us afloat. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but now you don't have to do that. And actually we don't want you to do that we don't need you to do that so like go back to playing you know being more of like a role man and all this kind of shit and it's an adjustment and i think it's one you got used to a certain uh you know what do you what do you say he got he got used to a certain quality of living last year um and i think it's an adjustment for him to to come back down so if rj all of a sudden is like at this level where you're like holy shit is he an all-star yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Julius hand, handles it. Uh, it might not be. I mean, these things happen all the time in the NBA, right? Like, guys don't immediately just 
go with it. Uh, obviously, we have a more famous example, like Kristaps, who thinks he's better than or as good as Luca. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But I'm sure that question probably came up later in the mailbag, so I don't want to go too much into that right now. Okay, it's two part. Uh, but part one is how concerning is Julius's early season effort issue to you guys? Um, I always hate trying to psychoanalyze players, especially when it comes to body language and whatnot, because there's so much more than meets the eye. Like, you know, people have mentioned Julius is a recent father, so he's exhausted. Maybe. I don't know. I I know that par- new parents or you know, parents who have welcomed young children again are exhausted frequently. I have yet to be at that stage. But it's the sort of thing where he's also a professional. So, like, if that's carrying over, if you're that tired, then maybe you should be forthcoming and, and maybe Tibbs won't play you as hard. I, I just don't know. I, I just it feels like there's so much reading into it. And I, I try not to do that to the best of my abilities. Cause you know, like what we see essentially is 48 minutes of basketball, right. From our TVs. And then if Randall's playing, let's say 38 of those minutes, that's 10 minutes. We don't see, we don't see during the commercials. We don't see pregame. We don't see postgame. Like you'd have to be in the building and physically watch him and only him. Uh, and I was in the building for the Raptors game. And I didn't even do that because, again, there's an entire basketball game going on. Why would I just kind of laser focus on on Randall? But I will say the one thing. Well, you're probably drunk, too, right? So I I was actually I only had one beer, believe it or not. Wow. I know. Well, you know, you feeling all right. I am. No, actually, (laughs) I'm not. Um, The one thing that I think bothered me the most. Look, yes, obviously, the lack of rebounding, boxing out, the inability to just like stick to your man at all. I think it was the Knicks are so bad at transition defense that would piss me off was, and this is just a general comment, but um, I'll, I'll tie it to Randall. Get, you know, Toronto would get out on the fast break and then the Knicks would commit the foul. So to avoid, you know, two easy points, maybe even three on the way back. But Randall, I, it felt like he did it. He certainly did it once with Van Vliet. I think he did it a second time. And it's like, I don't know if that's him covering for other guys, if it's because he's just not, you know, in the right headspace, in the right physical space, whatever it is. But I think that's what honestly pissed me off just as well. Like, yes, the, the the other things I mentioned, those were problematic to me as well. But it just something about it where it's like he just he wouldn't hustle up the court or earlier. And in, in, I think it was the Pelicans game where he might have gotten stripped. And then he's just like kind of jogging and again i like that's that's the thing that bothers me right if you were missing shots be like okay well he hit he hit those you know it's not like that's a problem but then you could flip it right if he has the effort and he's missing shots then there's the idea of oh well you know like last year he only hit shots when no one was in the building so he can't do that again so like it feels like he has to play perfect and he's not a perfect player and that to me it's like if you could just fix the effort part part of it which we know he has then I don't see why it's so problematic. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of that. Um, this is, uh, I actually saw this tweet. I shared this with you earlier. I think it's a pretty accurate one, actually. Uh, it, it, it verbalized a lot of things I've been thinking. Uh, and this is from Papa Left uh, at Live Like Lefty. He tweeted this, it must presumably was last night after the game. 
Julius is playing like a guy who optically doesn't care about stats, but deep down feels like he should be hitting certain numbers. When he isn't scoring, his game fizzles out. I think that's pretty accurate. I think that is, it boils down exactly what's going on to um, what's what's happening to him. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, like, I mean, you can see this, right? In that Boston game, he had it going, and he was really engaged the entire game, basically, right? First few games, he's like has it going as a scorer. He's on the ball a bunch. It's it's all happening for him. Things are great. What is frustrating for me is like, like he got paid, he got his contract. So to me, it's almost it's like even less acceptable because. He's not playing for anything right now. So I can't understand him being morose about like, like this isn't like, oh my God, I'm in my contract year. And now all of a sudden I have to figure out how to like play like, like, like be more of a cog within a functional team because we have real talent versus last year where like the team was essentially just whatever I wanted to do. Right. Um, I think he's struggling with that. And I think he's letting that affect other areas of his areas of his game uh as far as effort goes now the other thing i have noticed this has been going on all season so i don't think it's like a purely effort thing i think it's you know look he he had a great year last year he was super focused from day one sometimes it's hard to maintain that level of focus uh when you come back the next season sometimes it's like hey it's easy when you add talent like they the knicks have to kind of let go of the rope a little bit defensively because you're like, no, well, don't, it doesn't really matter because we can, we'll always be able to get it back, right? Like we'll always be able to get it back on offense because we can score so easily. And they did that shit against new Orleans too. Let's not get it twisted. They did that exact same thing against new Orleans, but they got away with it because they kept scoring that night. They kept scoring. So they, it didn't come back to bite them. Um, but Julius is like, look, I put out a tweet the other day today kind of just clipping a bunch of plays where he's quite frankly, he's playing terribly Uh, and he's just not staying connected on defense. And he's like the transition defense has been really awful with him. Like people have pointed to Evan and Kemba as like, Oh, well like their addition is like why the transition defense sucks so much. And sure. That's, that's part of it. But I really do think Julius is one of the biggest pieces of, of why the transition defense has, has really sucked so much. Uh, I included two plays yesterday where the Knicks got burnt in transition largely because Julius just didn't bother to get back at all. Um, and on top of that, you have the stuff off ball in the half court where he's just like watching the ball and not paying attention to his man. And that might be more acceptable to me when it's like Taj down there at the five because Taj isn't like you, you probably will need to help him out a little bit more protecting the rim than you would somebody like Mitch, uh, who is an elite rim protector in a lot of ways. Um, and like the entire point, right, of having Mitch and the entire point of the Knicks defense really last season, if you look at it. They wanted to turn the game into like two on two actions, essentially, right? And like, that's like, you know, if you really want to look at it, like, that's kind of why we had so much trouble with Atlanta because, I mean, we turned into a two on two game and we were like, well, I guess 
Trey and Capella are just going to keep fucking us like that. That sucks. So now we have the, our scheme doesn't work. So now we got to do different things. That's essentially what our, the scheme was, right? Turning it into a two-on-two game and pick and rolls, and guys staying home on shooters. And there was like a part at the start of last season where, uh, yeah, like I mean, I'm bo- I'm very much simplifying it. Like the Knicks did allow a lot of threes last year because they do come down and they do try to deter the shots in the paint. But like the point of having Mitch essentially is that you should be able to do that without completely spacing out and losing your man. Um, and, and he's just like not doing that at all right now. He's just watching ball watching and not paying attention to his guy. And the disturbing thing for me last night about that was like, if you go into that game, just looking at it objectively, you would be like, if we stop OG Ananobi, we probably win this game. I think that's fair to say like that. That's, this is the one guy who could maybe beat us. Um, Julius, for whether, I mean, Tibbs decided that Julius, that was his matchup, right? He didn't take it. Like, he didn't accept the challenge at all. He didn't compete defensively. He didn't even make OG work for a lot of shots. I saw a lot of fucking, you know, uh, oh, OG was amazing, and Tyrese was right, and blah, 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 blah. Like, like, look, he played well. I'm not trying to diminish it. But so much of it was just, like, space cadet defense from randall on him like just not paying attention to him open shots not bothering to contest not communicating defensively is just really really bad stuff and you can go back and clip stuff against the pelicans where he did that against herb jones who fortunately is not anywhere near as good as og Ananobi, so it didn't kill us as much uh he's done that he did that even in the philly game where we destroyed philly like if you watch there are so many times he just falls asleep on tobias harris like, dude, Tobias Harris is the other dude on that team, right? Like, he is the only other guy on that team that you're worried about potentially going off in terms of, like, creating off the dribble and all these kind of things. And, like, he's just ignoring him. And, you know, I just think, like, really since about that second Orlando game where, like, we didn't play well, but I actually thought Julius played really good defense in that game, he's kind of just fallen off defensively. and that concerns me a lot that really concerns me a lot um it concerns me that the leader of the team whose entire like kind of i mean look let's not let's not bullshit about it the knicks have obviously like played up the whole like we work hard and we're like this gritty team and this is our identity we're a bunch of workers julius played it up after the chicago game right like oh you got to be in shape to play for dibs and all this kind of stuff and I just think I get no. To be fair, he did play fine in the Chicago game defensively. It's wrong for me to say uh, he didn't, but uh, there's just been a lot more lapses recently in the last four or five, four games, I think. Um, and um, you know, like he's the leader of the team. Like these guys are taking cues from him. You don't think that, like, when Julius is space cadetting on defense, that Evan and Kemba don't see that, and it doesn't kind of like give them the like oh julius is coasting right now like all right well i'm not gonna necessarily max out right now either and 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 yeah well don't worry we'll get it back on offense and that's kind of like what it feels like is happening right now is there's a lot of lax defensive play that is coming from these guys picking up on cues from julius and you know is it too much to ask of him i don't think so because the reason they got him the reason the Knicks went out and got the offensive firepower they did this offseason 
is so that Julius's offensive load wasn't as absurd, right? Like that that was the entire point of the Knicks' offseason. Um so he has no excuse now really to not compete defensively night in and night out. Now I'm not expecting him to like be first team all NBA defense, right? Like that's fine. I understand stars in the NBA aren't that they they will take some nights off. I get it. I I wasn't really that upset about the New Orleans game because I thought that was a game where look, let's be real. I looked at the rosters before the game and I was like, yeah, you know, the Knicks could probably coast to this win. Um, and really, like, considering that they never got out of any, like, they never really competed defensively, it wasn't like, it was like as competitive. It, it was competitive in the way that the Knicks, when they've been awful, have been competitive against teams that are way better than them, right? Like, it's like competitive, but deep down inside, you kind of felt like they were never really going to win it. Um, that's what that game felt like to me. This yesterday's game felt very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just concerned about that. Like, I think it's, it's something that like, quite frankly, Tibbs or one of the vets on the roster, like somebody has to step up and challenge him and challenge the team really, because it's all well and good to be like, all that matters is getting the win. All that matters is getting the win. It's fine when you're actually getting the fucking win. But it's now cost the Knicks this kind of like, we don't need to try attitude or we don't need to max out attitude or we'll just try once we fall down attitude. It's cost them two games right now. And that sounds like kind of silly to worry about this early in the season. But when you just look at, you know, uh, how tight the Eastern Conference standings, like how tight those look like they're going to be over the course of the season, you don't want to get into a situation where you're punting games. And really, you don't want to get into these habits. Because once you get into these habits and and it it festers and it stays there for a bit of time, it is hard to break those. It's really hard to break them during the course of an NBA season. Um, so whatever needs to happen, maybe they needed to lose these games uh, to to have the wake up call, and maybe Julius needed it to to have somebody step up to him and challenge him. Whatever the case may be, uh, those things are concerning and. Um, yeah, I mean they need they need to change because like you want to maximize the talent this team has. You don't want to piss it away. Uh and like as bad as the Knicks played last night in a lot of ways, I mean they still like they still pretty much scored uh really well against what is shaping up to be a very good defensive team. Uh I'm just looking it up right now. The Knicks had a 109.3 offensive rating last night. That's not uh, up to their standard, which has been like their 114 for the season. But just to kind of like give you an idea, I believe the league average this season is something like 106. Um, so the Knicks still played an above average offensive game. And even then, they couldn't compete. And a lot of that was because of a lack of defensive intensity. And a lot of that, in my opinion, came from Julius Randle's lack of defensive intensity because. You know, he just decided, like, he wasn't going to really compete on defense after the first quarter for whatever reason.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.